These are bizarre times, aren't they? If you had told me 25 years ago when I started my pastoral ministry that some morning I'd be sitting here preaching uh, to an almost empty room, but for all of us uh, to come together and worship since we were quarantined in our homes, I never would have believed it. Uh, but we may not have known about these times, but God did, and God's prepared us for such a time as this. Would you bow your heads and would you pray with me? Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us on this day would I pray, Lord, that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O oh God, who is our rock and our redeemer in good times and in bad times, in scary times and in great times. Amen. So back in the early 90s, uh, my wife Betty and I were studying at the seminary in St. Louis and uh, living down there, um, and they went through a historic flood. Both the Missouri and the Mississippi rivers that come together just north of St. Louis uh, were both overflowing their banks because of uh, the uh, ran runoff from uh, a lot of snow that was melting and then a lot of rains that had happened, and uh, it was a historic time. Um, one of the places you could really see that the most was down right near the arch in St. Louis uh, because all that water from both of those rivers, from all those states that fed into it, was rushing past that one point, millions and millions of gallons each second. Now, the interesting thing was the, the riverfront there was just kind of devastated, as you can imagine. And uh, a lot of people were saying, see, there were these two gambling boats uh, that had been operating for about a year down there. And there were a lot of television preachers coming on saying that this flood was God's judgment on gambling, God's judgment on those gambling boats. And, uh, and it was kind of an interesting moment because people were sitting there thinking, could that be true? Is, is that possible that somehow God has caused this tragedy because he's angry about this gambling that's taking place? But as soon as those preacher voices started saying things like this, uh, a lot of local farmers were coming out going, well, wait a minute. If God indeed is, is using this flood uh, to punish those uh, gambling boats, he's got really bad aim because their farms were devastated. Farm after farm after farm, uh, just crops under feet of water, uh, never, never to be used. Uh, farmers' livelihoods at stake. And, uh, and, and so the, the question really is, you know, is that what God is all about? Is that the kind of stuff that God does? You know, right about that same time, uh, one of my favorite cartoonists, Gary Larson, had run a cartoon, kind of coincidentally, in the paper, and it was, it was this cartoon, and I don't know if you can see it clearly, but there's, it's, it's called God at His Computer, and God is sitting there, and there's, there's a monitor in front of him, and on that monitor, he can see some poor uh, schlump just kind of walking down the street, right underneath a piano that's obviously being raised up to be uh, put in an apartment building somewhere or something like that. Um, and if you take a close look, if you zoom in a little, God's hand is hovering over his keyboard, and God has a key that you and I don't have on his keyboard. It's the smite key. And God is just waiting to, to hit that smite key and let that guy have it. That was Larson's cartoon. So here's my question. Does God do that? Does God send floods and earthquakes and, and plagues and other disasters as a sign of his judgment or punishment on people? Now, at first glance, if you look at the Bible, he does. In, in Genesis, the, the great flood of Noah, God was so um, upset with how people were living in those times that we're told that God grieved that he had ever created human beings, and he sends his flood uh, as a judgment. When the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt and the Pharaoh would not let them go, he sent plague after plague after plague as a sign of judgment on the Egyptians. 
Even in this story that we've been studying in, in the book of Jonah, uh, the message God has for the people of Nineveh that, that, that were a cruel uh, people, who, a warlike people, people with, uh, who practiced child sacrifice, his message to them was, if you don't repent, if you don't stop what you're doing, then I'm sending your destruction on you. So at first glance, when we look at the Bible, it, it, it kind of sounds like that that's kind of what God does. He smites people that deserve it. But folks, we have to consider the whole message of Scripture together. We can't just pick out a few stories or a few instances and use that to help us understand God. We have to uh, consider the whole message of Scripture. And in another place in Scripture, in, uh, in 2 Peter 3.9, this is what it says. It, it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Now, the promise that Peter's talking about there was Jesus' promise that after he had ascended into heaven that he was going to come again. He, he says, the Lord isn't being slow. People were wondering, well, where is Jesus? I thought he was coming again. He says, no, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And by the word, the, the word repent there doesn't mean like just to say I'm sorry for my sins. The word repent there literally means to turn around in a new direction. It's talking about he wants everyone to turn towards him. Folks, the message of Scripture over and over again, and we see it especially in this book of Jonah, is that God will go to amazing lengths to save his people that he's created. That God loves us so much that he will do whatever it takes to give us every chance to turn to him. Now, I mentioned this just a few moments ago. The people of Nineveh, they were Assyrians, and these are the people that Jonah's being sent to with this word of, of prophecy from God. Um, and they were an evil people. One historian compared them to a precursor of Nazi Germany. Um, one more story I read uh, about the, the Ninevites this year is when, when, when they would um, win a battle, they would send their soldiers through the battlefield twice, once to pick up any weapons or plunder that they could get from their enemies. And then the second time, they would go through and cut off every single head of every single body in the field, and they would make a huge pyramid of those heads as a warning to other people. They were warlike, they practiced child sacrifice, um, if anyone needed God's judgment, it was these people. And, and, and now, um, as God is getting ready to send the prophet there, they've experienced some, some difficulty themselves. In fact, in just a few years, uh, they've gone through two big famines. We know that from, from Assyrian history. Um, there's been three major earthquakes that have gone through this region and, and caused all kinds of devastation. And in fact, just this, this last year or two, we believe, based on star charts and stuff, they had experienced a total eclipse, which for them, I mean, we understand what an eclipse is, but for them, it was, a, it was an omen that the gods were angry with them. And so God sends Jonah. And, uh, and we heard this read earlier by Tony in the service. It says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Why was it a second time? Because remember, the first time, Jonah ran away from God. Jonah didn't want to go um, and preach to the people in Nineveh. Jonah didn't want them to be saved, we find out in chapter 4. But, but God pursued Jonah, and, uh, and, and he rescued Jonah from drowning in the belly of a fish. And, and he had that fish spit Jonah back up in the land, and he gave Jonah a second chance to obey him. For a second time, God says to Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. Let them know that they still have a chance, that they can still repent. 
And so Jonah did that. And, and, and what happened? Did the people of Nineveh kill him and put his head up on a pole outside the city because they didn't like his message? No. Amazingly enough, as we heard in our reading before, uh, we heard this, that the people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, and they put on burlap. They, put on, they took off their, their nice clothes, and they put on burlap sacks as a sign of their repentance to show their sorrow, we're told. And, and the king issues this amazing proclamation. Uh, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, and he took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap. And he sat on a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. He said, people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways, stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind. God will repent. God will turn and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Folks, it's unprecedented. The, the people of Nineveh heard this message from Jonah, and they, they set aside their gods, they turned to the true God, they put on sackcloth, and they sat in ashes as a sign of repentance, and they said, God, we want to change. We, we want to uh, turn uh, away from you. Now, when you think about it, it's so amazing. They said, even our animals. So, so there were scenes like this all over Nineveh. Claw, cows in sackcloth. Can you b believe that? It's such an amazing story. So that brings us back to the question that I know is on your minds. It's on mine. Is, is this coronavirus, is this God's way of, of sending a warning or, or, or judgment to us? Now, remember that verse from 2 Peter. God is being patient, Peter tells us, for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. He wants everyone to turn to him. And, and in fact, just earlier in this letter that Peter wrote, um, this, this Second Peter letter, um, there's, Peter says something else that I think is really important for us to think about as we gather together this morning. Um, he said this, he says, because of his glory and his excellence, he's talking about God, because of God's glory and excellence, says he has given us great and precious promises. I want you to just sit for a minute, and I want you to hear some of those great and precious promises that we find scattered all throughout God's word. Here's one of them. Jesus spoke these words. He said, never will I leave you or forsake you. Never. That means as, as we sit here this Sunday morning, all in our own homes, but gathering together virtually to worship together, Jesus is with us. He said where two or three are gathered, and he didn't say it couldn't be on online church. God is with us in these difficult, trying times. He is never going to leave us. He is never going to turn his back on us. That's what forsake us means. Here's another promise from God's word. In Romans, we read this, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Hear that again, all things. Home quarantines, um, pandemics, financial difficulties, all things God promises will work for good. He can use them for good in your lives. That's another one of those great and precious promises from our God. Here's another one. 
in, in Isaiah, he says this, when you pass through the raging rivers, it's, it's the picture of a, a river at flood stage, and you have no choice, you've got to cross it. He says, when you go through raging rivers, those rivers will not overwhelm you. You'll keep your head above the water, he promises. And I don't know about you, but I felt kind of like I was caught in a raging river this week. God's promised he's going to keep your head above water. No matter how bad this gets, he's going to keep your head above water. That's his promise. One more. Back in Romans, Paul assures us that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God does not practice social distancing. He is right there with us every moment. Nothing can separate us from our God. So I I really think a better question then is God using this to judge us is this question. How is God going to use or or what is God going to do? How is he going to use this disaster for good in our lives? And I'd like to kind of wrap up the message with three things that I want you to focus on this morning, ways that God is bringing good in the midst of this. Um, the other morning, I was, uh, I was sitting at my kitchen table, and uh, it was early in the morning. I had opened up the drapes, but the sun wasn't up yet. I had made some coffee, and, and, and honestly, I was feeling like my head was about to get pulled underwater. Um, I didn't know how we were going to make church happen this weekend. I didn't know um, uh, if we were going to have to shut down our offices. I, I was worried about, is giving still going to help us so we can, we can pay our staff and, and meet our obligations as a church? I, I was worried about, you know, was our son Christian going to be able to be home with us the whole time? And it just all this stuff was kind of overwhelming. And as I was sitting there, um, I looked out the window and the sun was just starting to come up. And, and God had given me this beautiful sunrise. And uh, it was God's way, I believe, of, of saying to you and to me and to all of us, look, I'm still in control here, folks. The, the sun's still going to rise in the morning. It's still going to set at night. I'm still the God of this universe. I'm in control. And most importantly, I love you dearly. I'm not judging you. I'm not smiting you. I, I want to remind you of my blessings in your life, even in the midst of this pandemic. Folks, every day focus on that. God loves you more than you imagine. He is not going to let you go. He is not going to let your head go underwater. He is not going to let you be overwhelmed. He is going to be with you, and he is using this to demonstrate that love to you. Here's here's the second thing that that I believe God's trying to tell us through this pandemic right now is that we have a chance to step back from the, the hustle and the bustle of our daily lives, and we have a chance to think. I don't know about you, but I can go days and weeks, it seems, without really stepping back from my life and thinking. But, but you know, working from home and, 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 and not being able to do a lot of the things that we normally do to fill our lives, it's given us time to think. The people of Nineveh had some time to think, and, and as they sat there in sackcloth and ashes, they did some reevaluating. As they, as they didn't eat, as they, as they just kind of repented before God, they looked at their lives and, and they said, we've got to change some stuff in our lives. Is God challenging you to think about that? Is he challenging you to look at some things in your lives and say, are, are these things really all that important? These things I have to give up right now? Maybe, maybe I'm going to find that stuff that I've just kind of been doing because I've been doing it, that maybe some of those things aren't as important as I thought in my life. Maybe it's given us a chance to recognize that those people that we're quarantined in our house with, they're what's really important in our lives. 
we're stepping back and we're, we're maybe not able to work or working in a different way. Maybe it's helping you reevaluate your job and your career. And are you using the gifts that God has given you? Are you doing what God has put you on this earth to do? Does your, God, does your job uh, become your God or does your job give you life? Maybe it's given us a chance to think about um, where our priorities are in life. And, and maybe things that we thought were important a few weeks ago don't seem as important anymore. Maybe most importantly of all, this is giving us a chance to prioritize our relationship with our God above everything else and maybe ask ourselves, how come that's not the case in good times too? Why isn't God the center of our lives uh, during pandemics and, and when life is going great? And finally, here's, here's the last thing I want you to think about. We have an opportunity right now to help others to know how much God loves them too. Now, Maybe not like this. We have to practice social distancing. Maybe it's uh, through Skype or it's a phone call or speaking you know, across the fence in the backyard with our neighbors. But we have an opportunity uh, to help people know about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. In Peter's first letter that he wrote, he, he said it this way. He, he kind of predicted this. He said, worship Christ as the Lord of your life. We're doing that right now together. And then he said this, and he said, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, look, people are going to see as we go through this pandemic that we have God's promises, and because of that, we have hope. And it says, when someone asks you about that hope you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now, Jonah didn't do that. Jonah walked into Nineveh, he marched about a day into the city and said, you're all going to die in 40 days. That was basically his message. But it worked. Now, I, I don't recommend you use Jonah's method. But, uh, but we have a chance when someone says to us, how, how come you seem hopeful? The, the world's falling apart. You say, well, because I've got Jesus. Or, or if someone says to you, you know, how are you getting through these tough times? You can say, you know what? My relationship with God has never meant more to me, and here's why. I, I've got these promises from God, and they're amazing. Don't worry about what to say. The Holy Spirit... God's word says we'll give you the words to say, but folks, I believe in these next weeks there are going to be more opportunities for us to have spiritual conversations with people who are far from God or don't have the same hope that we have. Look for those opportunities to be used by God to help other people know that God loves them too. Folks, uh, this is pretty bad right now, but I can tell you it's not the darkest moment in my life. Uh, that moment came uh, the night my son, our son Christian, was born. Now, um, I don't want to go through the whole story, but, but just to let you know this, um, he, was, uh, he was in pretty bad shape. And in fact, the doctors had said he probably would not survive his first night. Um, now, Betty had given birth through C-section, so she had had some major surgery. So she was up um, in her room in the hospital. Uh, they had given her something to make her sleep so she could recover from that surgery. So she's up there sleeping, and, and my son was down in the neonatal intensive care, not expected to survive. And, and I was just going back and forth between those two places to check on both of them. And, uh, and, and i got to tell you, it was the darkest, lowest moment of my life. I remember one minute I was, uh, I was in this hallway, and I just stopped. There was nobody else around. It was about three in the morning. And, and I just put my head up against the wall and I just started to sob. And I, and I just kind of cried out to God. I was like, God, I, I need you. I didn't, I didn't really know what to say. And folks, in that moment, I, I just experienced this peace that washed over me. And, and in that moment, I knew what that peace 
that passes all understanding that God's word promises was all about. And, and, and in that moment, I didn't hear God's voice or, or anything like that. I just knew that he was with me, that just as he had promised, he wasn't going to leave me or forsake me, and that whatever happened, whatever the next few hours or days had in store, he was going to get me through it. And, and, and I knew that God's love was there for me. Lord, I, 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 I pray that God would help each one of us experience that peace in these days. That you would know beyond a doubt that you can turn to God. And just like he rescued the people of Nineveh, uh, just like he, he gave Jonah time after time to follow his plan for his life, just as he again and again was patient, he's been patient with us. And he's just waiting for you to turn to him. Amen.